Hey, and welcome to the Sister Cast. This is episode five, season three. I am Amanda. And I am Zoe. And today we are talking about email marketing. This is exciting. I hope to learn a lot on this episode. You know, like I always, um, I go to conferences, like writing conferences. So I just went to one on the past, this past weekend. And I feel like I have a pretty good handle on email marketing. And then I went to a workshop with um, Holly Mortimer from The Social Vert, who is a local, for any of our listeners who are in the local southwestern Ontario area, uh, Holly lives in Stratford, but her romance writing specific community is on Facebook. It's called The Social Vert. It's great. This conference that I went to was in Toronto, and she came and did a presentation. It was the Toronto Romance Writers Annual Conference called Northern Hearts. And she came and she did a one-hour presentation on email marketing. And there were multiple times in this one-hour workshop where my mouth fell open. And I was like, wait a second, back up what? Like, I did not know that. Love. Yeah. So Love that. For one thing, it's a really good humbling reminder that professional development never ends. And you can have a pretty good handle on something and still learn a lot. Okay, so I want to start with a question that she started with. What was the last... What was the last brand email that you opened? I open up radio station email newsletters. Ah, okay. On the constant. And how often are those newsletters sent out? Daily. And how often have you gotten fed up and unsubscribed from them? Daily. Okay. <laughs> Daily, um, not unsubscribe. You know what I do? I have that filter set up. Do you have up, a folder? So they, they automatically go, go into a folder. Smart. And then when I'm uh, when I'm like looking for inspiration to steal someone else's radio contests, I go in there and see what everyone's up to. Yeah. Do you get any emails from retail brands like Old Navy, for example, is a really common one? The, you know what? Um, they all get into my junk filter. My junk filter is cranked up to eleven. Right. Okay. Do you get any text messages? Uh, do you subscribe to any text alerts? No, you don't. Okay. Interesting. So I had the same conversation today is we're recording this a couple of days before we release it. Today is a release day. I also have a book out today, all that they desire, which is warden book 10. It's a sexy small town, uh, polyamorous triad romance. (laughs) Amanda was not expecting that. She just did like a little head shake like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, so my husband and I went out for lunch. It's like we like to do that on release days, have a little celebration. So I was telling him that I was coming here next to talk about this on the podcast. And I asked him, now, keep in mind, we talked about my husband a little bit in the last episode about the pumpkin spice latte. He is uh, not a outgoing person. He is not a joiner. He is not any kind of follower or, or opt-inner. And I said to him, I don't think you get any emails. Do you, have, do you subscribe to a single mailing list? And he said, "Mm, I don't think so. I said, do you get any emails from retailers? And he said, no. And then he thought about it and he will. And then he said, does Amazon count? Yes, Amazon counts. (laughs) But there are some brands. Old Navy is a really good example. Um, Amazon is another that have become so ubiquitous in our newsletter, in our They have become so ubiquitous in our email folders that we don't even notice them, right? They're part of the email landscape. They're inoffensive. They don't bother us. Amazon could probably email most of us like 12 times a day and we would not unsubscribe. 
right? Or put them in a folder. You'd put it in a folder. But there's a fear of missing out with certain brands. Like Old Navy is the one for me. And Holly used it as her example. I don't care how often Old Navy emails me. I don't open most of them. But every so often, they their email pops up at the same time. Right. As I am like, man, I need back to school clothes for my kids. And I am grateful in that moment for the reminder that their jeans are on sale. Well, there's two different types of people. People who have clean inboxes and yep. people who have 10,518 and you're raising your hand because that's you. The latter is me. And I'm 100% <laughs> the clean inbox. Yeah, yeah. So you are not the target audience for email marketing. Do you follow brands on social media? Oh, absolutely. And I do not. Right. That is interesting. So lesson number one, big lesson number one about email marketing is that it's not for everybody. Not everybody is your target audience there, right? But those people that opt into your email marketing list, they want you to email them, right? Lesson number two is that you can't just have an email newsletter you also need to have social media options so that you can reach people like Amanda who are they're never going to open their inboxes to you and that's perfectly okay. All right. The hilarious thing about the conversation with my husband was he doesn't other than Amazon who he kind of doesn't pay attention to as a retailer. I said, so like there's no brand that really reaches out to you constantly. Like you don't allow anyone that access. And he said the brand that contacts him the most is our cell phone provider. They text him. And I replied and I, I said, why don't you just hit reply stop cap all all caps STOP will un, uh, unsubscribe you from any text message list. And he said, well, what if they have a good deal for us? <laughs> Which is exactly the point, right? Yeah. So that's super powerful. Um, and I think that if the Viking is open to being contacted by a preferred brand, then anybody who is a brand should have zero qualms about reaching out to the customers that want to hear from them. And how do you know that somebody wants to hear from you? Do you know the answer to that? They sign up for your list, right? If somebody gives you their email address in an like an above board legal way you use an like a sign up form that clearly spells out what they're signing up for because I primarily talk to authors this means like usually it's on your website um, or maybe a link at the back of a book or at the front of your book that takes you to a sign up page that says you're signing up for author you know Debbie Dixon's did I just say a porn star's name? I don't know. Is that a name? I just made it up. Is that actually an author? I have no idea. No, I just made it up. <laughs> author Zoe York's um, mailing list to hear and you want to spell out what you will possibly send them, right? So you want to say um, book news, new release information, the occasional sale, and from time to time an update on my life, right? That's everything that could be encompassed. Um, in what I send out in my newsletter. And so if somebody has signed up on that form using a service, right? So there are every so often I go to a writing conference and I run into an author friend who has been published for a couple of years and I talk about or or we go to a workshop or whatever and then I have a little conversation with them and I say, well, who's your mailing list with? And they go, oh, I, I don't have a newsletter. I don't have a mailing list. And not everybody knows. Like for some people, it seems really daunting. So I thought in this podcast, we could kind of go over those absolute basics. 
probably in radio, you guys use more complicated customer management tools, right? Like, uh, like you keep track of more than just an email address, like maybe names, addresses, that sort of you thing. You would think, you would no. think, but, uh, but those programs are expensive, right? We're going to talk about that and because heck gonna, yes, they are. And, and, you know, and that's, and that's the reality. People think, oh, no marketing is free. Yeah. You know, it used to be social media marketing is free. Well, it's like, well, not really, because you still have to have a strategy and you have to pay someone yeah, the to infrastructure. create it and do it. And same with email. Yes, sending out emails, you know, it's not free. Nothing yeah. is free in this world. So you know how I really enjoy using this podcast to rule out people being uh, advertisers for us at any point. <laughs> Who yeah. are we offending this week? MailChimp. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you know what, who MailChimp is? Have you well, heard of them? You used to use them or maybe do use them. I used them. them up until a week ago. So I always recommended MailChimp as a great place for people to start. And it's still not a bad place for people to start because they allow you to use their free features and collect um, subscribers up to 2,000 Audi- people in your audience before they will charge you anything. That's okay. great. Mailer Light is another one that has a similar kind of ent- free entry point. They allow up to a thousand subscribers. But MailChimp has recently pivoted from being, despite what their name suggests, an email marketing tool, right, to now being like an all in one. I don't even know the name of it. I probably should have looked that up before we had this podcast episode. There's a, it's a more complicated customer relations management tool. It might even be CRM, something like that. Right. Um, and they want to do everything. They want to create landing pages for you. They want to run Facebook ads for you. with, And they want to target literally every person you've ever been in contact with, even if those people have said, we no longer want to hear from you. Right. So basic rule of email marketing, particularly in Canada and Europe, less so in the States, is that you only have the right to target and contact somebody as long as you have their permission to. Right. That's correct. Yeah. That's why we need them to to opt into your list. Mm-hmm. That's why you must have an unsubscribe link at the bottom of every email. This is super important. Or you can be fined one million dollars. You can. There's major fines, yeah, right? Major. The the castle is the legislation yeah. in Canada. In Europe, it's GDPR. It's super important to be respectful of people's privacy in the digital age. Well, not so much in the states. And Mailchimp is an American company. So maybe a few months ago, I don't remember exactly when, they announced that now your audience would be considered every contact that you have in their database. So for example, real numbers, I have 21,000 people who are subscribed to my mailing list, but my total audience um, collected over seven years was 28,000, which means that over the last seven years, there are roughly 7,000 people who have signed up, but then unsubscribed from my list. You're one of them, by the way. I noticed when you unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody wants to get frequent emails from an amazing romance author. So, you know. Um, no, but seriously, I then had to pay for you as a subs- as a contact, even though I cannot contact you by Canadian law. Oh, they're charging you for the bigger number. They charge you. The now they're charging you for the bigger number. And then they said for legacy accounts, of which I was one, they the prices wouldn't change. Okay, so they weren't charging me. All right, 
That lasted exactly three months. Mm. Then we got an email like a week and a half ago saying that the legacy rates would be changing. And my monthly rate was $150 for 21 or 28. I don't know. Whatever. Thousand subscribers. And it was going to go up to $190 a month. That's a $40 a month jump. And I'm getting no increased value. And in fact, now I have this constant stress of at some point, am I going to have another rate? rate hike because I have this big 7,000 number and there was no easy way to delete those people from the database because under GDPR law, I don't know if it's true for Castle, but it's definitely true for the Europeans. You must maintain a record that that person unsubscribed. If you scrub them from your list, they could subscribe again, right? So you're paying kind of double for somebody who did not want to hear from you. Absolutely bonkers. So I have, I actually use two services. I use MailChimp for my Zoe mailing list and I use MailerLite, which is a very nice, young, scrappy little company for my Ainsley list. And I like to have two, I have two brands. I like to use two different services just in case one is down. I can always import my list to the other. So as of this week, I'm now going to a self-hosted thing called Sendy, which you have to install on your server, which I have had done. The guy named Ben who created Sendy, he will do the install for you. Sendy costs $59 and I think Ben charges a hundred bucks to install it. Right. A great amount of money to spend because it's a one-time fee. And then it sends using the Amazon Enterprise Services and they charge you like a very small amount. I don't know exactly, but a couple of bucks per mailing list send out. Oh, okay. Amazing. So I've now switched over to that, but it's so not user-friendly. Long story short, let's pivot back to I run into somebody and they're like, I don't have a newsletter. And I think you're leaving so much marketing. You're leaving all this email marketing on the table, but they are almost always someone like you who is super resistant to email marketing. Right? You're nodding. You're con- you think I'm resistant? I don't think I'm resistant to it. I just you don't, don't read subs- it. Yeah. <laughs> but you Does would that never- make me resistant? Well, okay. So let's say you had your own brand, right? Like you're- I send out emails all the time on behalf of my radio stations. Mm-hmm. And I want people to read them. Okay. So you're, you are like the perfect unicorn who's <laughs> not resistant even though you don't read them. More often than not, I now have ice in my mouth. This is the wrong moment to be- More often than not, people who don't like getting emails also don't like sending them out. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not me at all. That's not you at all. I love Good. sending them out. <laughs> so my goal, anytime I have a conversation with a new author or an author who's been around a while but doesn't have a newsletter, is to get them really comfortable with the idea that the people that they are emailing are like me, right? People who like to get news delivered to my inbox, who like everything to be um, I don't love my my social media feed to be brands because I have a lot of contacts, like personal friends, reader friends. I want to see them and brands really clutter that up. So I even like musicians or other authors who I adore, I don't necessarily follow them on social media. I want that information in my inbox. For sure. No, I get that. So here are a couple of little factoids that I didn't know that Holly told us, Holly Mortimer from SocialVert told us at this workshop. One, the more often, to a certain tipping point, the more often you send emails, the higher your open rate. I didn't know that. I thought, 
it made sense. I thought it made sense to send one email a month, your your September newsletter, your October newsletter, trying to be consistent. But apparently one email a month gets you about the industry average open rate of 20%. Mm-hmm. Two emails a month bumps that over time, not not immediately, not when you first send two emails, but you consistently send two emails a month. Over time, your open rate will rise to like 35 or 40%, basically doubling. She sends five emails a month and sometimes up to eight. And I was like, well, I need to step up my email game. Um, so that was really, really fascinating. Do you guys send emails every day? We uh, For the radio station brands, we uh, send... Some radio stations do. Um, the brands I work at send out a weekly newsletter, so one a week. Um, and then we send out third-party emails. Because we are a radio station, we work with brands. So brands can send emails out to our database with a special offer. Ah, that kind of partnership promote, thing. Yeah, so yeah. people can pay to have access to our um, listeners. We actually keep three lists. Uh, for each radio station one that's our weekly newsletter which is usually a listing of prizing one that's like a standalone e-blast which we reserve for the best contests or special announcements it has our highest number of people right and then our third list which is for third party e-blast which has the lowest number of people because people can't wait to unsubscribe to that puppy (laughs) and that's okay right totally there's so much angst when you are your own brand right when you are a shop of one and you are responsible for creating the content and doing the marketing for it there's a lot of emotion tied up in how many people open that email how many people immediately unsubscribe how many people market as spam or say i never subscribed to that and you're like yes you did i have receipts but you know what? Yeah. Nobody cares about those receipts, right? That's not what it's about. This is one of those times when it's so important to have to be able to take off the creator hat and put on the marketing hat and just go, they're just numbers. It's all just numbers. It's totally okay if someone unsubscribes because you don't want to be bothering them if they don't want to be bothered. bothered. It shouldn't be a bother. It shouldn't be a bother. You know? So some of our radio stations do um, a daily morning e-blast that goes out at like 6.30 mm-hmm. that's uh, very text heavy. That yeah. here's the weather. Here's a fact you need to know about today. Here's a news story. And they're very simple to put together. And they're meant so that, because what's the first thing people do when they look, when they wake up in the morning? Grab their phone. They grab their phone. Yep. And so we want to have our brands front and center saying here's the weather today here's something you need to know because we're already doing that on the radio yeah so we should just be doing that on other platforms yeah i have to say i get probably four of them in my inbox from different stations and i never click on them right you see them there is something though to that name recognition of seeing it in your inbox even if you don't open it right what's the here's an, a unique challenge for me and probably other authors or other like musicians it would be applicable to anybody who has content that's consumed around the world there's no one right delivery time so mailer light one of the services that i use they do have this awesome feature where they will auto send it per the time zone of the recipient if oh, they can cool. if they can that's glean really that cool. information from ip address but you need to have the email scheduled more than 24 hours in advance, right? Right. To pick the time zone. Right. Am I that type of person? 
No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But it is like that's really good goals. And if you're the type of person to schedule in advance, good to know that that kind of functionality does exist. Do you send out your when you create your email, it goes out like after you've sent it, like as soon as you create it? Like do you it really depends it? on when I create it. So I like it's interesting that you say 630. I really like to send it out for 1030 in the morning. Yeah. Eastern time. Yep. 1030 in the morning Eastern time is coffee break for some. It's also 730 in the morning on the West Coast. Right. So for me with my primarily North American audience um, and then it's not too late for the Australians and it's mid afternoon for the Europeans. So for me 1030 is kind of like a, a sweet spot. Um, so if I every so often I'll send one out in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. But if I'm working on my newsletter in the evening then I'll schedule it for the next morning right you never want to send it out at night you're yeah. a genius and you didn't even know it Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m are the best times to send out email newsletters excellent excellent see I didn't even know that so I always said well not always but if I have a new release like today, today for example I had a new release and it's a Tuesday so I sent it out Tuesday at about 10 a.m and so far I've had a pretty good open rate on and that when one. did you create it uh, like five minutes before I sent it. <laughs> of course. So I, how often do you send out emails to the Zoe list? Well, up until last weekend, it had been about once a month. Like over the summer, it was definitely once a month. I think in August, I actually sent two because I did have a little bit of bonus content to send out. Um, yeah, for the last year or so, it's been about once a month. I'd gotten kind of, it's, it's exhausting. All marketing is a lot of work. So I had slowed down. And then in hindsight, so what happened was in this workshop, Holly said the statistic, right? If you send out once a month, you've got probably have the industry average of about 20%. And if you send out twice a month, you, you can double it mm -hmm. over time. And I looked at that, my mouth fell open. I went, so are you saying that if I go back and I look at my numbers, when I used to have a 40 to 50% open rate. It was because I was sending them more often. And she was like, yeah, uh, yeah, of course, you should send it out more often. I was like, well, that's obvious in hindsight, isn't it? But these things in the moment don't always feel like reward. You know, I have sent out newsletters in the past that I have felt like they got zero traction. But even if all that newsletter does is keep pinging somebody, keep reminding them that I'm in their inbox, that I will once you know, and, and then then you can get to the next level. So be, so delivery is just one aspect of it. The other big thing I learned from her was about subject lines. How do you get people to open emails? Yeah. Right? You don't put newsletter number 15. You don't say Zoe's September update. Literally nobody cares about me that much. Not even my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you need to put in a subject line? A hook, a tease, a hook, a tease the two that I wrote down that one of these might be industry specific so the one she said emojis yeah people love emojis what what emojis do is they stop you when you're in the midst of that scroll right you see a sunflower you see an explosion you see a rainbow or for our industry eggplant emoji it stops readers in their tracks and then it gives them a second to absorb the rest of the content of that line. So I'm going to try an emoji uh, uh, subject. I'm going to try an emoji subject line later on this week because this week I'm going to send 
four emails. This week? This week. This week? This week. Wow. We're going to test the heck out of this. Try a bit more. It's release week. It's the last book in the Wardham series. If there is any book I get to be super excited about and genuinely share that enthusiasm with my list, it's this book right? I'm not going to do it every week, but this week I'm going to send four. Next week, I'm, and then I'm going to send weekly for the rest of the month. Well, there's like one more week in this month. I'm going to send one more, and then next month I'll send two or three. And then again, kind of the same pattern at the end of the month when I have a release. And the other subject line, which I have seen people do, as soon as she said it, again, hindsight, right? As soon as she said it, I was like, yeah, I see big successful authors use this all the time. Can I tell you a secret? That's the subject line. I click it every single time. Right? I'm so using that one. Right. But how often can you use it? Okay. So I haven't gone back to I got look. a lot of secrets to tell. <laughs> so I, I feel like maybe like every other month. I don't know. We'll have to report back. Okay. So you're going to use it and I'm going to use it. Yeah. Then we're going to come back and we're going to report. brands. Yeah. We're going to report what that does to open rates. So here's a funny story just to wrap up this episode. So I have a friend, Zara Keen. She writes Cozy Mysteries. And she sent out an email that had the subject line. Well, I don't know exactly what the subject line was. But in the subject line, she mentioned Brene Brown. Have you watched Brene Brown's Netflix special or, or heard her TED Talk? She's amazing. Brene Brown has nothing to do with Zara's brand, but Zara had watched her or read a book. I don't know exactly the context. I think it was because her Netflix special was out. And so she just wanted, it was one of those emails because we need to remember, here's the last little takeaway that I had from Holly. Email marketing needs, cannot be the same thing over and over and over again, right? It has to be varied. It has to be authentic. It has to be content that people want. In reward for giving people content that they want, then every so often you get to suggest that they spend money with you, right? They buy your product, they listen to your show. But you cannot constantly be asking for them. Them, You cannot constantly be asking them for things. Most of the time you have to be giving them things, right? Your email list has to be rewarding for them. Right. One of the things that people love is conversations about things that they like. So that's what she did. She just told them about a show that she was enjoying. Right. Mentioned Brene Brown and her double or her and her open rate on that email was double her usual rate just by name dropping authentically a brand that she enjoyed. Now, full disclosure, I tried the same thing because I also love Brene Brown. I did the same thing. I used her name in the subject line. I talked about her in the first paragraph of the email. I did see a slight increase on the open rate, but my increase was only about 5%, not double. So your mileage may vary on that. But it's an interesting thing to start to experiment with. And if you know other people in your industry or outside of your industry, anybody who's willing to talk about marketing, ask them what their most successful subject lines have been recently. That's a great point. Yeah. And if there's one that caught your mind, I remember one uh, that came in from Gap and it was something along the lines of this, this item is only on sale till 9am. Okay. But here's an interesting thing. So I went to Milwaukee last month to talk at the library and the librarian there said, she really hates emails like that. 
So you need to be, now there's nothing wrong. There's literally nothing wrong with somebody hating one of your emails and then unsubscribing. They didn't really want to be on your list in the first place. But if that's something that you've never done to your list before, right, then you might want to play with it kind of a little bit carefully, right? Don't be too hyper aggressive in some of those. Um, that's a that that's like a really like drop dead call to action type of thing. You want to be kind of careful a little bit with that before you if you have always been sending out September's newsletter of flowers and then you only have 24 more hours. Like right. those are not the same right. tone. <laughs> right. There's, so so shift your tone gradually perhaps. One thing if you are looking at your open rate if you have had a newsletter for many years um, the longer you have your database and the higher the number it grows, your open rate will be lower. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I've so definitely seen that over time. You were saying that when you first started out, you were having 40 to 50% open rate. Well, was that because you had a low number and they were brand oh. new subscribers? Oh no. When I started out, I had like a lovely 80% open rate <laughs> <laughs> and then somewhere around, yeah, 10,000 subscribers, yeah. it dropped to 40%. Yeah. And like that and, and in hindsight, I maintained an above average for my industry open rate because for a long time there, probably from 2015 through to 2017, for two years, I was on top of my marketing game. Right. And the reality is, is that that's not always easy to maintain. And I let it slide. Yep. So part of it is absolutely the growth of the list. But Part of it is because I slowed down in how I was using it. For sure. The last thing I, in fact, this episode wasn't that prescriptive and how to do email marketing. So maybe we can do a follow-up episode later on this season. Um, just like more about the basics. But the, the other thing that I want to say is a real important caveat. If you are a casual, um, that's not the right word. If you are somebody who very sporadically sends newsletters, but you use one of these services and and you send it out to like thousands of people or hundred even hundreds of people, you need to be contacting those people at a minimum of once every three months or your email address and the servers that you use will get downgraded by all the recipient services like Gmail, Yahoo, etc. They see you sending an email once every six months, once every nine months, once a year, as this is not email that this person wants. Ah. This is too random, right? So there is a frequent, there is a minimum frequency and it's somewhere like between one and three months. Absolutely. So even if you have nothing new to share, find something about your persona, send them a secret, make it a real secret, like something that you've not shared before, but send, send an email next week that says, can I tell you a secret? And inside is, I haven't written a book in nine months and I'm a little bit worried you've forgotten about me. <laughs> a little, maybe a little too honest. <laughs> I am so fired up and excited to use that subject line. I know, I me too. tell you. Yeah. Yeah, we so will excited. report back. And if you hear, listen to this, if you send your newsletter subscribers a secret, yes. tell us about it. Yes. We want to hear all about it. Yeah, we'd love that. Thanks for joining us on the Sister Cast.